What's up, guys? Will Freeman, RevolutionaryLifestyleDesign.com. Coming at you today for part three of my definitive guide to sales, how to sell. This is one of, if not the most important skills in business. And obviously, if you are a salesman or thinking of going into sales, the most important skill in sales. If you can sell, you can make a living anywhere in this world. And if you're going through the guide, whether you're reading the articles or the audios or the videos, you know that a lot of the time I didn't enjoy my time in sales. I was good at it. I didn't enjoy it, but the skills that I developed are priceless. And I use them every single day, whether it's in my business or whether it's just in speaking with people. Because... At every point in the t- at every behavior, you are selling something, whether you're aware of it or not. Even if you just want to make someone's day brighter and you want to um, make some conversation with the checkout girl, make her feel a bit happier, you are still selling something. You are selling a positive emotion, and you are putting out a positive emotion, and you are hoping you're getting one in return. Every everything you do, you are selling a position. Every time you are explaining an argument to someone or debate or a point on something you are selling. I'm selling you right now on how to sell and I'm selling you on myself being an authority. My entire website is a sales is is filled with nothing but sales pages on how to solve a particular problem and that I am an authority who is capable of solving these problems. And to direct you to my sales pages for products that solve problems that you're interested in. And that's, that's all it is, okay? Because there's only two types of persuasion. There's force and there's seduction. And force is monopolized in every single country, right? Every country has a police force and a military, and you are not allowed to use force or you go to jail because you're competing. If you try and use force, you're competing with the government, and they are much stronger than you, and that's it. Occasionally, a revolution happens where uh, force is, where a government is overpowered by a stronger force like the Russian Revolution. But you look at force, and force is only a, a motivator and a persuasive tool in the immediate short term. So you take the Russian Revolution, and you look at what happened after Stalin died. All his power died with him. But you look at someone like Jesus who 2,000 years later still has a billion followers on planet Earth. It's amazing because he's seduced with the idea of heaven and everlasting immortality and all these things. And that is the ultimate seduction because that is the ultimate solution to the biggest pain point in life, which is suffering and death. And since you are not legally allowed to use force, Sales or seduction is the is the only and most powerful skill that you can use in business in life. I'm not telling you that you should use force even if it was legal. I'm just explaining this to you on, um, you know, a very logical level. All behavior is selling, and every time you want to communicate with someone, you have to seduce or 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 sell them something, whether you want to or not. And if you think, well, I'm a nice guy and I'm not selling and I'm not seducing people, you are lying to yourself. Okay, you are. Everyone acts in their own self-interest at all times. Even if you're helping someone, even if you're volunteering at a charity, it's because 
making them happy makes you feel happy, okay? Nothing we do is to be unhappy. Every single action we take is to try and make ourselves feel better, whether that's doing charity work or working on our business or working out. Every single one of those things is designed consciously or subconsciously to generate a happy, positive feeling within yourself. And every time you are speaking to someone, you are selling a position or you're selling something that is going to make you happier. And that's just human nature. You are you cannot get away from yourself and you cannot get away from wanting to sell things and wanting to affect other people's behavior. That is just part of the game. The difference is the regular human being is an amateur, whereas the salesman is a professional. And to be a professional, I'm going to break down to you the keys to the game. And this this applies... You can be a professional whether your job's in sales or whether you just want to be a professional in life. This, These rules apply. And it's so important because I see so many people who are otherwise successful but they make basic, basic errors of, of salesmanship and they make basic errors in, in human behavior. So here are the keys to the game. Number one, always have a game plan. So whatever you're doing, have a game plan for what you want. If you're talking to a girl on the street, do you want to get her home? Do you want to get her to a date? Do you just want to get her phone number? Do you just want to see that you have the balls to talk to her? You have to know what you are... To get what you want, you have to know what you want, first of all. So you have to have that game plan together. With a client, you need to know, okay, what's my average sales cycle? If your average sales cycle is six months, then you're not going to be trying to close them on the first call. You're just trying to get information. You're going to send them an email and book a follow-up call. You do the follow-up call, and then you're going to book a meeting. And then the meeting, you might have to book another meeting or you know all these things. However, if you are in an a industry with a short sales cycle, you know that you're either going to you're either going to book him or you're either going to close him on the first call or that's it. So you are calling him to close. Either way, you got to know going in what your game plan is. Otherwise, you're not going to be able to get the result that you want. Number two, never break rapport. This is the, if there was a seven deadly sins in sales, breaking rapport is the first deadly sin. In fact, that is the first deadly sin in all socializing. There is... Almost never a good reason to break rapport with someone unless they're disrespecting you. Let me explain to you what rapport is. Basically, rapport is maintaining like a positive vibe. So a guy's talking to you about something and you're saying, yeah, okay, cool. You know, he could say, you know, he went up hunting this weekend for two days. I personally wouldn't find hunting enjoyable whatsoever. A complete waste of time for me and, and I wouldn't want to kill animals and all these things. But he would come back and he's excited about his trip and he's talking to me about it and I would say, oh, cool, man. That sounds like you had a lot of fun, right? Instead of just shitting something out of my mouth like, why would you do that? That's a waste of time. You can just buy your food anyways. That's already cooked and you don't even have to hunt. What what, what actual benefit do you get out of that, right? Like, why would you, you know, having that kind of rapport break and that kind of combative tone even if that's what you truly believe is so detrimental for any type of relationship and if it's a sales relationship where you are asking the person for money you are always coming from a position of weakness so they're going to capitalize on any little thing that they don't like to get rid of you 
So in a sales relationship, you can't even break rapport at all, at all. No one likes being contradicted. No one likes being disagreed with. No one likes people having negative things said about them. A smart person will say, well, you know, we're generating some good dialogue here, and I'm glad you brought that up. But in reality, everyone just likes being agreed with, okay? I'm no different. I love when people agree with me, and people say, Will, you're great, and your site's great. And if I have a negative comment, I just fucking delete it because I don't care, you know? And when I approach other people, I approach them the same way with that same amount of spec. It doesn't, it doesn't matter if the person... If it's the lady who cleans my apartment, I'm still not going to break rapport with her because that is just part of socializing on a high level, right? If I'm breaking rapport with someone, it's because I feel that I'm being disrespected. That's going to be the only time. And this is especially, especially, especially important in sales. You should never have a conversation where you're breaking rapport with a client. A client could tell you the sky is black and you're not going to say, no, it's not. That's, that's a, are you insane? Right? Never client could tell me the sky is black and I could say, okay, that's, you know, that's an interesting perspective and then move it back to the pitch or whatever. Never break rapport. So important. Number three, keys to the game. Ask the right questions. The key to opening a guy up is to keep him and get him talking about his business because everyone is passionate about their business and the more they talk about themselves, the happier they get and the more he opens up about his business, the better rapport you get with him. And the more ammunition to have, you have to solving his pain points. So when you're selling, you're always looking for how your product is going to help the guy. And the more you can find out about his business, the more you can say, all right, well, you know, you told me that you didn't have the right advertising numbers for last quarter. What we can do in our advertising company is, is bring you blah, 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 blah. So that gives you all this extra ammunition that you can use. And anytime you can tie something into his business directly, you are gaining points in his favor. And anytime you can find one of his problems and, f- and offer another solution to it, you're that much closer to closing that deal. Which brings us to point four, which is solve a problem. That's what all of sales is. It's finding and identifying a pain point and then offering a solution, right? Selling insurance, for example. People are worried about their businesses when they're not around to protect them, right? The guy's worried about his office and all his equipment and all the expensive stuff he has. Insurance sells peace of mind. So that guy can sleep easily. He knows if if his office gets broken into, then people can steal everything, but he's still going to be fine because he has the insurance, right? That's a, a great example of solving a problem. And... This works with women as well, right? This is when you are dating, even if it's just casual sex, you're selling a good sexual experience to someone who is horny or to a girl who is sexually frustrated. You're solving her problem of looking for a fun new sexual experience that she's not having, right? She's sexually unfulfilled and you're solving that problem. Let's say... She's looking for a boyfriend and you're looking for a girlfriend. She's looking for a great, fun guy who's going to treat her really well and going to have a great time together. You're solving that problem by being that guy. So every single need, every single want is coming from a position of a problem. And you're able to solve that problem 
and get paid for it. That's what selling is. So solving a problem is so important, but it's really important to look at it from that perspective. So whenever I was on a call with a client or a lot of the times when I'm talking to a girl, I'm thinking like how I can solve that particular problem. And that's a great frame of reference to come to because then you're always in the position of helping that person. And when a client or a girl or someone like that feels like they're being helped and they're being treated properly in that way, it really affects the relationship on a positive way. Next point, forget about being right. This is a tough one, guys. Especially if you come, if you're someone with a lot of pride like I have and you and you think you're kind of a smart guy and, and you're a strong-willed guy, this can be really, really tough. This is another one like breaking rapport that I see people fuck up all the time, especially in just norm, normal social interactions. People will get into arguments about, and an argument is always about being right. It's never about that actual point, okay? It might be about the point for maybe the first five seconds, but the second ego gets involved, it's about being right. And if you want to be right, then sales is not the job for you. Instead of focusing on being right, you need to focus on getting results, okay? If you want to be right, that's fine, but it's very expensive. Instead of focusing on being right, you got to focus on getting paid. And getting paid is closing the deal. And closing the deal is doing what you have to do to close that deal. There's no place for hubris in sales because sales is seduction. Sales is adapting yourself to what the person wants so that you, you can get what you want, which is getting paid. Or if it's picking up a girl, getting sex or whatever, right? She might say something that you don't agree with and you don't have to argue about that. You don't have to be right, right? You can let, you can let things go. Being right, being indignant, being offended are all irrelevant. All that matters is accomplishing your objectives. So admit when you're wrong, when it's the best move for the situation, even if you're not. Like, even if, you know, a client is, is they're upset about something and, and, and you have to say, okay, I understand that, you know, maybe I wasn't clear enough with you and I apologize for that. Even if you were clear and the guy was just too dumb to understand, right? Getting into an argument is not going to advance your position. And that's, that's the difference between an amateur and a professional. The professional is always focused on the result. And we'll do what it takes to get there. Within, eth- within ethical boundaries. I never want you guys to, you know, lie to the person and, and sell them a bunch of bullshit. This isn't a Jordan Belfort seminar. Okay. I, you know, if you want to feel good about yourself, you have to try and keep your ethics as much as possible. But forget about being right. Next point, product is 80% of success. This is something you won't hear in any sales training seminar. And I can tell this to you because I'm not selling you any sales-based product. I'm not a sales trainer, thank God. And I don't have to tell you on selling being terrific and enjoying life in sales because chances are you're in sales, you're not going to enjoy your life. Some guys really love it, but the vast majority of guys are would would do anything to get out of sales. Every sales guy that I talk to is always looking for a new job, looking to move up into management so they can get off the phones or looking to start their own business. Product is 80% of sales, and that's the truth, okay? I once had a debate with a, a colleague 
who was indoctrinated into the sales philosophy and was always reading the books and he couldn't understand why his sales numbers dropped. And I explained to him it's because management put him on a garbage product. We had some products in that company that sold themselves and some products that were horrendous. And, you know, we're going to die within the next year or two. And he was really beating himself up. And he, he told me a great salesman can sell anything. You know, standard sales brainwashing. And I, I asked him, how would your numbers be if you had to sell dog shit? If you literally had to call up businesses and try and sell them dog shit that you were going to send them through the mail. And I asked him how his numbers would be. And he gave me this blank look for about five seconds. And this, this big smile burst onto his face. Zero percent. You would close nothing except for maybe like that one guy who was a joker. You know, you're not going to close any business. It's impossible. Okay? It's impossible to close selling human dog shit to, to businesses. It's impossible to meet your sales numbers doing that. With that said, you're selling the new iPhone. Okay? Anybody can sell the new iPhone. Right? I can call up anybody in the world and I, I look, I got the, the new iPhone for half price. Assuming that they trust me, you know, and, and I'm like, it's not a scam. I'm going to be selling... I'm not going to have enough demand or enough enough products to fill that demand, right? I I can't imagine how easy it would be, you know, when when Apple first released the iPhone, how badly their salesmen crushed their numbers that year. It must have been an absolute decimation because that thing can sell itself. Everyone wants the new iPhone, right? So the reality is products account for about 80% of your success. If you're selling the 97 Palm Pilot, you're going to starve. You're selling the iPhone 6, iPhone 7, iPhone 9, whatever the fuck the new one is, you are going to be very rich. The best way to increase your income is to work for the best company with the best product. You can start in a call center where the maximum amount that the, the top guy makes, 60000 Okay, you're making three, four hundred calls a day for sixty thousand dollars. Shitty, hard way to earn a living. Very, very hard environment, but great training ground. Let's say you switch over to Salesforce.com. Salesforce is, as of this time, the largest CRM in the world. It's a customer relationship management software where you plug in all the numbers for your customers and all that. It's terrific, and it's specifically targeted for the sales industry. They are a very, very large company. They're doing very well and they have very, they have a very good sales team. I interviewed with them and they told me the top guys are making $400,000 a year, making maybe 150 calls a day, something like that. So you could literally go from the best guy at the call center making 60,000 to doing the exact same thing for salesforce.com and make 400,000 that year or the, or within a couple of years, just from a, just from changing what you're selling. Okay, just from changing your product. Same as same goes for women. If you guys hear me talk about the PUA industry and the reason I don't like it is because they don't manage expectations properly. A lot of the stuff and the information is good, and a lot of the stuff that you know mystery in these guys. Like I've learned a lot from those guys, but they don't manage their clients' expectations properly, in my opinion, because they don't tell them that product is eighty percent of success. The reason I've had a lot of success with women is because I'm naturally kind of a decent looking guy. And then I put a lot of work into my fitness and I put a lot of work into my style. So I'm selling a product that people want. 
if you're not if if you're a seventy year old man in a wheelchair, it's not going to happen. You're not going to get hot twenty one year old girls. Impossible, unless you pay literally pay for sex, right? Because you don't have the product that people want, and your product is going to determine eighty percent of your success. So. Before you beat yourself up about sales, if you're a salesman right now and you're not doing well, first you have to look at what you're selling. Are you selling a product that people want? And if you're not, you need to get into an industry that 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 you can sell a product that people want. There's a reason I, I wrote books on how to fuck women properly and how to get laid on Tinder. Those were my two biggest articles. So that means that those were the products, those were the, the biggest problems that guys were having not getting laid on Tinder and not being able to have sex the way that they wanted to. So I offered the biggest solutions. The most, the highest demand on my site was for those two articles. So I wrote two books about them. And yes, I wrote sales pages around it, but 80% of the success of those books is based on the fact that they are products that people wanted. Okay, so you gotta remember that. This is very, very important. It's like, you know, you'll, you can make a ton of money selling real estate, but you're not going to make a ton of money selling soap door to door because real estate is more in demand than some random guy showing up to your door selling soap, right? Next up, next point, keys to the game, understand what you're selling. And this is something that you might have heard a a bit if you're used to sales and you're and you've been reading stuff on sales but you really 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 need to internalize this what you're selling is a state okay let me say that again what you are selling is a state all a product and service is designed to do is to make you feel good that's it every single thing you buy is to make you feel better from clothes to the food you eat to a new tv to a new car everything is designed to give you a happier positive state that pizza you order is designed to make you feel good while you eat it that new tv is designed to make you feel happy so you can watch your favorite movies and tv shows that new car is designed to give you a comfortable ride to work to give you a sense of pride when you're driving around Every single thing is for some type of happy state, whether it's self-esteem, whether it's for um, you know, enjoyment of the taste, enjoyment of the smell, enjoyment of music. Every single thing you're selling is, you're not selling the actual product or service, you're selling a state, okay? I'm selling you a state right now. The state I'm selling you uh, is the state of happiness through success, right? I'm, I'm giving you a way to be successful in your career or in your social life that is going to make you feel good because you are able to get what you want, right? Or get more of what you want. If you take this sales guide and you add $20,000 to your income, you're going to feel good. You're going to feel more financially secure. All these things, right? Everything, Every single thing you're selling is a state. So once you understand that, you realize that all sales is state transference. Okay, and again, if sales is human behavior, like I've explained to you, then all human behavior is some type of state transference. You are trying to transfer your state to someone every time you speak to them, whether you want to or not. 
So to make that guy interested in buying from you or that girl interested in fucking you, you need to make that person feel good and you need to make them feel good about the product now and you need to project that they're going to feel good about the product into the future. So let's say you're selling insurance over the phone to some guy. You need to make him feel good that, look, you're not going to have to worry about your business anymore because you know, you buy our product. It's going to provide you that peace of mind, right? You're not, you n- no more restless nights or whatever. And then you need to make him, you need to convince him that he's going to feel good in the future. And you're going to say, look, I build, you know, I get clients for a lifetime because I give superior service. If God forbid anything happens, I'm going to handle that. I'm going to handle your problem as best as humanly possible. You, here's my, here's my cell number. If, anything happens, someone just breaks into your office, call me at two o'clock in the morning. I'll be over there. I'll be starting the claim. I'll be negotiating with the company on your behalf 24 seven till we get that resolved. Right. And then you talk to him about how that's important to you and that you are in this business for a lifetime and you want clients for a lifetime. So in that way, that's just a very rough example, but you're saying you're making that guy feel good. He's feeling relaxed and more peace of mind right now. And you are projecting that relaxation and that peace of mind down into the future. Another good example is with a girl, right? And you're talking about, you know, you're being your girlfriend. So you're making her feel good. You're making her laugh. She's, she's attracted to you. She's having a great time. You're going to dinner in the movies or whatever. And then you start talking about the future and you're saying like, you know, I really want to go to Hawaii and you start describing Hawaii and, you know, you maybe say like it would be great to be able to take someone there and and stuff like that. So you're selling her on feeling good with you right now as as things are and then you're selling her on on a future with the two of you together, right? Assuming that you actually do feel these things. You're not just bullshitting to get in her pants, okay? Because that is going to make you unhappy and I don't I don't advocate lying to girls in that way, but you're selling her on that state on the state now and the state in the future. Next point, keys to the game, key transition phrases. These are specifically, you can use them verbally, but they work really well in email and stuff. And if you look at my articles, you'll see them all the all over the place, especially this one. The first one is with that said. I can say anything and put with that said on the end of it, and it transitions, right? You know, I know I just ran over your dog, but... With that said, I still think you're a terrific fit for this product. <laughs> the other one is at the end of the day. What does that mean? It doesn't mean anything. It doesn't mean anything, but people say it all the time. Well, John, at the end of the day, what it comes down to is dollar for dollar, we are the best solution, right? At the end of the day, it's something that gives you that extra punch of certainty and it's something that you can use as a transition phrase from anything. The sky is black, but at the end of the day, John, I just can't see how this product is not going to add value to your business, right? Literally anything you can do that, and it's awesome for emails. So in probably every every client email that I used, uh, that I sent when I was still in sales for like the last two years of my sales career, I probably used with that said in every single one. It's great for writing, and you know, it's those those transition phrases... You don't have to use those if they don't sound natural to you. You don't have to use them, but 
you can like modify them, but use those transition phrases because you always want to have that tone of certainty and being able to segue from one thing to the other is a very useful tool to have. Next point, don't believe the hype. So this goes along kind of with what I was saying about product is 80% of your success. If you're serious about sales, you probably watching sales, you're watching those Grant Cardone videos on YouTube, you're reading about Jordan Belfort, you're reading all the sales trainers, Zig Ziglar and all these fucking guys. The sales training industry is very much like the pickup industry. There's lots of snake oil salesmen and the reality is 80% of sales is the product, okay? In the same way that 80% of pickup and 80% of dating is the product, which is your sexual market value. This whole seven no's to a yes is all bullshit, okay? Yes, you can occasionally close a client who says no to you seven times. I've seen it in the last couple years of my sales career. I saw it one time, one exceptional bit of salesmanship, which was someone who'd done business with us in the past, wasn't happy with it, and they weren't saying maybe. They were just saying no, 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 and they were trying to get off the phone, and I saw a guy turn it around and close it. He made like $100 off the deal, whatever, but I, I saw it, and that was maybe once in three years where a guy took a really, really hardcore no and turned it into a yes, and I've worked with some amazing salesmen, okay? That does not happen very fucking often. The way that a deal usually closes... The 90% of your deals is going to close is, is it sounds good off the start. 90% of the girls that you close or the deals that you close is going to get a positive or at least like a decent reaction off the start. When the guys say, no, I don't have fucking time to talk to you, that's not going to close, okay? That deal's not going to close. When, the guys, when you pitch a guy and say, hmm, that sounds interesting, nine times out of 10, your closes are going to look like that, okay? It is very, very simple. In a good, a close is going to sound like what you think it will, right? Before you get into sales, what, whatever you think a positive reaction is going to be, that's usually what it sounds like. Now, you can close a guy who's kind of maybe and on the fence. You know, okay, you know, you might close one of those guys one or two times a month. But a guy that's really like on the hard no, like, you know, fucking don't call me again, probably not going to close that guy. Maybe once a year, once every two years. Seven no's to you, yes. The, the, it's a miracle if he's still talking to you after seven no's more likely he's going to tell you to fuck off and hang up. So don't believe the hype. Don't believe that sales is all about, you know, battering through these crazy objections. 90%, okay, 80% of it is is selling a product that people have interest in. And then the next 15% is putting in the numbers and, and just pitching enough people to finding the right guy who's interested. Okay, and then there's like a, a 5 to 10% area where it's salesmanship and skills. And when you think about it, it's like really the only the, the best guy in the office does maybe 20%, 25% better than the average guy, right? So there's not a whole lot of difference there. So do not believe this hype of being able to sell anyone anything, anytime, and powering through every single no on every conversation. It just doesn't work that way, okay? It doesn't work that way. Next point. You can't compete with sociopaths. So back to the top guy in your office who's making 30 40% better than the average guy. A lot of the time, he just has less morals. Now, I don't want to say that to take away from some guys who really just are the best and they just are really good. 
But picture this. Imagine you don't feel any guilt or shame. You're Jordan Belfort, and you can literally call up a widow and sell her a fake stock and laugh about it. How on earth could you, a normal guy, compete with someone like that? You can't. You cannot do as well as a guy like that who just has no conscience and no mercy. Okay, if, if I want to get rich, I have the sales skills to start a pyramid scheme or a bullshit real estate investment club or literally just pick up a phone and start selling bullshit stocks to people, right? Assuming that I could stay out of jail or whatever. I could do that today and I could, I could, make, I could be making like 100 grand within a couple months, maybe four months. And pretty much every guy that I worked with in sales could do the same because the margins are so high in scam businesses. And, you know, I could, I, I worked with, I, I knew a guy who advertised for, I sold uh, a magazine and, and an, a website catering to the real estate investment market. And one of our sponsors was a guy who was running these real estate investment clubs. And before that, he had done like stock market, some kind of stock market fraud, was barred from that industry, so he went to real estate and, and the guy had no shame about it. He he got drunk and he said that like he made four million off his stock market scam, had to pay a million in fines and, and took the rest of his money and dumped it into this real estate investment club where he gets people to invest with them and he sells people on the joys of real estate investment, pitches them from the stage, puts a hard close on them at the end of the at the end of his sales pitch for his free seminar. I'm doing air quotes there. And then just takes their money and puts it into joint ventures and and that's it. So do not beat yourself up if you can't compete with the top guys in your office or if you can't do what Jordan Belfort does because these guys are sociopaths and they're scamming people. The top guy in your office might not be a sociopath, but he can be a guy who who just doesn't really care that much and has very low empathy. Like say you're selling real estate and you meet a new, a newlywed couple and they don't have a ton of money and you could push like a, a, a house with a 40-year mortgage that's way out of their price range on them and you could really hard sell them and if it's a really nice looking house, you could probably make it happen and maybe there's mold in the, in the basement that you don't know about or that you know about that they don't and you could push that on them anyway, right? But if you're like a normal guy with a conscience, you're gonna feel bad about that, and you're not gonna to want to. You're not gonna to want to do that. And maybe you're gonna say, "Look, this house is out of your price range. You know, we got to find you something different." But the top guy, or the the guy without that conscience, is just gonna shove them in there. He's not gonna care. And he's probably gonna laugh about it. And I've worked with a bunch of guys, and and you know they don't they don't care about they'll they'll laugh about just like ripping their client's face off. It's funny to them. And some of these guys you might like. They might be cool guys to hang around, but they just don't care. So if you have a conscience and you have ethics like that, you're not going to be able to compete with them. So don't try. Just do you. If you want to really compete with them, instead of being unethical, just make another 50 calls a day or put in some extra work. But don't beat yourself up because, you know, that's just sort of the reality of the game. Another reality of the game brings us to the next point, which is sales is a numbers game. As I said before, 80% of it is your product and the other 10 to 15% is just putting in the numbers. The more people you call, the more people you do that you talk to door to door, the better your number's gonna be, right? If you wanna double your income, double the amount of people you talk to. It's that simple. 
If the average guy is working in your industry seven hours a day, you work 14 hours a day, you're going to double his income. That's the end of the, you know, end of discussion. Next point, skills are overrated. As I said before, on a large scale, the close rate between a good salesman and a great salesman is only maybe 2%, maybe 5%. Similar to a decent player in day game, right? A, a guy who's good with women can close 7%. I close 7% in day game. A guy who's decent will do like 3 to 5%. Not a whole di- lot of difference. Maybe two women out of 100, right? From a guy who's really good with women to a guy who's just pretty good or decent with them. Because skills are overrated and 80% of the game is is the product and, and another 10 to 15% is playing the numbers game, right? That's the reality. And this really kicked in for me when I worked with a Croatian guy who had been in the country since he was 15. Okay, I'm not going to beat up on a guy who just came to the country. But he'd been, been in the country for 15 years or maybe more like 17 years from 15 to 32 his English was horrendous, and one time he used a triple negative in a sentence. Triple negative. I never heard anyone speak a triple negative in my life. And not only that, but it wasn't even a good pitch. It was We were selling commercial currency, and he said, you don't need no currency or nothing? Literally like that. And I looked, and I was stunned for like 30 seconds because this guy wasn't making that much less money than I was. He wasn't. And it really got me thinking like, first of all, how am I working here? What did I do to to end up here that I'm working with a guy like this? Where did I go wrong? And second of all, all the little nuances and, and inflections that I'm using and that I'm thinking that are making me closing these deals aren't, right? Really, it's just that there's an interest in my product and I've just called enough people. And... Yes, I was a better salesman than him, but the difference in our numbers was not that much. He was an average guy. I was a good guy. I was not the best, but I was better than average. But at the end of the day, I was not doing crazy much more than him. And that to me was astounding when, when, when someone can be that horrible at sales. and But he just hammered the phone all day. So skills are... At the end of the day, skills are important for high-value transactions with limited competitions. Like if you're selling aerospace and the client only has two places to go to buy that plane, right? And the, the sales cycle is three years. Okay, you really have to be on your game to sell that. But like just average sales where it's a numbers game, skills are very overrated. It's about the product and it's about playing the numbers game. Those are the most important things. Next point. Don't oversell, all right? This is one of the cardinal rules in sales is when a guy is about to buy or making a buying decision, shut the fuck up, okay? If he has closed and agreed to buying with you, shut the fuck up, right? Because at this point, all you can do is fuck up the deal by giving him reasons to ask more questions or doubt his decision. When he signs on that line, you shut the fuck up and all you're doing is trying to get him off the phone with certainty and okay, all right, I'm sending you over the contract. Okay, we just need you to sign this and then um, here's here's the payment plan. You know, great to have you on board. Done, 
right? Not you're really going to like this product and if you have any problems, you know, if 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 you have a problem with with this and that, uh, don't worry about it. I'm going to handle it and you know we're we're really happy. To, no, okay? You closed him, it's done. Same with girls. She agrees to come home with you. Oh, that's great. Man, I'm really excited. This is, we're going to have a great time. Okay, like are you are you sure you want to come over? Like because blah blah blah, right? Terrible. Just all right, let's go. You know, it's done. Closed. Shut your fucking mouth. Next point. Feel the fear and do it anyway. Confidence comes after the fact, unfortunately. A lot of guys ask me, how do I approach a girl? I'm really nervous to do it. I've got approach anxiety. You just fucking do it anyways. You just say, come on, don't be a pussy. Just get in there. Just do it, do it, do it, do it, do it, right? And when I look back through my life, there are so many... So much of the guy that I am now is the result of those moments, and I can remember some of them very clearly. Going to middle school for the first day, going to um, high school for the first day, going to university, living away from home for the first time, first job interview, first cold call in sales, first in-person client meeting where you're trying to close someone, first date, first approach of a girl on the street. All these things, right? I was just as scared as anyone else. I was walking around in clothes, feeling like a little boy in grown-up's clothes, you know, nervous. I'm sure it showed on my face. But you go in there and you do it, and you do it enough times, and it, you're, not, you're not afraid anymore, right? I'm at the point now where I'm not, you know, none of this shit worries any, me anymore, right? Because I've... I've put the work in and I've done it and you you get the rewards after. Unfortunately, that's how it goes. You just got to do it. You got to sack up. You got to do it. And then after you feel great. One great way to really, what I used to do, whether it's talking to a girl or pitching a client or whatever, is I would just reward myself just for doing it. Okay, if you're really scared to talk to a girl right now, just say, look, all I have to do today is talk to for the next month, I'm just going to talk to one girl, and then I get to go have a good meal, okay? So you're doing it. You're terrified. You can't think straight while you're talking to her. You're just like, okay. You, you're like, I'm going to go ask her for the time, and then I'm going to try and ask her three questions and have a pleasant conversation for two minutes, and then I'm going to go home. Then I get to go home and eat a pizza, right? Depending on where your comfort level is. Maybe maybe your comfort level is higher, and it's like, okay, I'm, gonna, I'm going to ask for this girl's phone number. I'm going to ask her on a date. But reward yourself just for doing it. You're going on your first, you're 21, you're going on a, your first client meeting and your first client presentation. Okay, reward yourself. Just say, look, I just have to get through this. You got butterflies in the elevator going up. You know, you, you feel like you're going to shit yourself. You say, just, just, okay, man, just get through this day, get through this meeting. Then I'm going to go home. I'm going to have a pizza. I'm going to relax. I'm going to put my sweatpants on. It's going to be terrific. Okay, so re- feel the fear and do it anyway, and then reward yourself just for manning up and doing it. Next point, don't sell through email or voicemail. Okay, real, real sales is done over the phone or in person. An email is, is way too easy to ignore in this day and age. And this was a problem we had when I still worked in sales a lot of millennial kids just were too pussy to call people by the phone. They were trying to close everyone over email. It's no good. Maybe in the future, the phone is going to be phased out. But even right now in 2016, 
the phone is still the best way to sell someone because an email is so easy to ignore because you send a guy an email, he's going to have five or ten objections right off the bat about why it's not a good fit for him. When, you, when you're on the phone with a guy, you can handle his objections real time. Bang, 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 right? Everything he says, you object. Not only that, but he gets to hear that he's dealing with someone who's confident. He's dealing with someone who's competent. He's dealing with someone who's certain. He's getting a feel for you and that he likes you and that you can develop a rapport. None of that you can do over email, right? The email is just strictly on the product and he's either going to be in or out. So you lose a lot on that, on, on just the email. And... Okay, there's some situations where you do have to email like when the person just does not answer their phone and you've tried all the people in the company who are potential, um, you know, who could potentially sign off on your product. Okay, you got to email. Or if it's like a, an advertising agency in, in ad sales, when you're dealing with marketing companies, like you're trying to sell to an insurance company, but you have to go through their marketing company. And a lot of the time their marketing company the the account manager is like a 21 year old girl who does does not answer their phone whatsoever. So you got to pitch them in an email. Hey, I spoke with so and so at this company about this about this um, this ad package. I'm going to send it to you, and they have all certain metrics. And in that that industry, email is sort of the way that you contact those people. But use email as kind of like the last resort. Like you called the guy for two weeks, you can't get a hold of him because. At the end of the day, like th- that is what the salesmanship is about. If you could just spam emails out, then there wouldn't be salesmen. There wouldn't be guys getting paid $400,000 to sell, right? If you could just hammer everyone in an email. But it doesn't work that way. Same with girls. Like Tinder's great. Online dating's great. But day game is the best way to pitch a girl, period. And... You want to pitch her in person if you can. My close rate in online dating for OKCupid is one in a hundred, but with women, it's one in day game. It's one in fifteen. So use like that's not a perfect example. It's not a perfect carryover, but for pro sales, use email or voicemail as a last resort. Voice voicemail is even worse because no one checks their fucking voicemail. And I've worked for companies where if they hear a guy pitching. Someone over a voicemail to fire him just for that alone because it's such a horrible, useless way to get someone's attention. Next point, calibrate. Sales is seduction and seduction is a female skill and that means to excel, you need to have sensitivity. You have to be sensitive to every beat, every pause in the conversation to know what that guy is trying to communicate at all times. If you don't have that, you're not a good salesman. You gotta be thinking and acting and talking whether it's selling a girl or selling a client, what are they trying to communicate and am I well calibrated to what they're saying? Next point. Shame and fear are your two biggest obstacles. Shame and fear. Because selling someone past when they are comfortable is unnatural, okay? The reason sales pays so well is because no one wants to do it you at the start you're going to feel shameful calling 100 people a day and a- and asking them for money that is not a natural human instinct and you're going to feel fear because 
you're feeling the fear of rejection, the fear of humiliation, the fear of being a social violator, the fear of trying to impose your will on someone who is higher rank than you in society. And those are the two biggest obstacles to closing deals. And that's stuff that you have to get over if you want to be successful. And like I said, the less shame and fear you have, the better salesman you be. That's why sociopaths, guys who don't have normal human brains, like a Jordan Belfort, are the best salesmen in the world because they literally don't have any shame. They don't care, right? A, a client could call, could catch them on deliberately lying to them and all they're going to think of is, okay, what do I have to do to, to get them back to a position where they're going to buy? They don't have They don't have that shame of like, I'm a bad person. Right? They don't feel that in the same way that normal people do. However, if you are going to operate in sales, you do have to mitigate these things. You have to get over your fear and you have to just say, look, I'm not going to be ashamed of being a salesman. Without me selling, our company would go out of business. And I have to make these 100 calls and I have to, I have to push people past their comfort zone. As long as I'm being ethical about it, you know, this is what I have to do to get paid. And this is what my company needs for me to get paid and and. I'm providing for all the support staff. I'm, I'm providing jobs for the support staff, and this is how the world operates, and I need to do this, okay? That's okay as long as you are within an ethical framework. But you do have to mitigate shame and fear as much as possible within ethical boundaries. Next point, your mood is crucial. You can't sell in a bad mood, all right? All these audios and videos that I do, I realize I have to do in the morning when I'm in peak energy and I can maybe do one or, two, one or two of these a day especially these longer ones because if if I don't do it you're going to hear that I'm kind of like low energy and the video is not going to have the, the, the same punch or the audio is not going to have the same punch as it would it's the same with a cold call it seeps into your conversation no matter how, how hard you try and control it so your mood needs to be protected like a, it's a fort because it's your greatest asset the best salesman outside of the sociopaths are guys who are naturally happy because they're they're just happy on the phone. The clients can hear it. They have nice, high, buoyant energy. If you're calling up someone like, hey, this is John. Um, I just wanted to see if you're interested in maybe buying some insurance. The guy's already decided that he's not going to buy from you. He's just going to he's just gonna be like, oh, just get this get this guy off the phone. He's he's terrible, you know. But when you call, when you call someone up, Hey, John, it's Will. How's it going? Um, I just wanted to, I'm not sure if you're familiar with our company, but I wanted to let you know, okay, that way you've taken his attention and, you know, he's he's dealing with someone who's in a good mood. And a lot of, a lot of the time, clients would just accept my call because they just wanted to talk to me because I would just cheer them up, right? Just talking to me for 10, 15 minutes would put them in a better mood than they were in before. Think about it. You're calling someone, a lot of the time your clients are going to work for a big corporation. Most people don't like their jobs, right? So when they're talking to you, it's not like they're talking to a friend, so it's not a personal call, but it is You can. It is like kind of like that because you make them feel good, right? Talking to you might be one of the high points in their day because you're asking them, you're talking to them like a friend, you know, and you're in a good mood and they get off the phone and it's like, you know, that was one of the, the few pleasant conversations that they had all day. So it's very important. You can't sell very well when you're unhappy. That means get proper sleep, exercise, diet, use the right supplements. Whenever I'm using caffeine and Phenibit, my sales numbers would triple. That's how powerful it would be. 
Next point, you don't matter. Okay, we're still in the keys to the game section here. You don't matter. Your potential clients don't give a fuck about you. They only care about the value you bring to the table. That means don't bother talking about yourself. Focus on them. Focus on solving their problems. Focusing on add value, adding value to the conversation by making them feel good about themselves. Like, oh, your kid won his hockey game. That's great. You must be really happy and proud of them. Like, You're not talking about what you did last night, right? You're not, they don't care about that. People care about themselves and they're, everyone lives very much in their own world. Let me give you an example of my business now. Look at my website, right? The reason I get, you know, 150,000 visitors a month is I don't talk about myself at all, right? The only time I, I talk about myself is when it can benefit you. I can say, okay, I was in the same position and this is how I made it happen, right? Every single article, audio, video I have is solving one of your problems, right? It's adding value to your life. How to sell, how to get laid, how to get fit. There is no philosophical ramblings. There's no talking about my feelings and my problems because you guys don't give a fuck about that. And why would you? Why would you Why would you search out my information to hear me narcissistically jabber on about my feelings and all this shit? Because it doesn't fucking matter, right? This is where so many bloggers make mistakes. They assume that people are going to care about them. In business, you are only as good as the value you bring. I try and bring as much possible value to every possible article, every audio, every video, and every book that I write. And I try and have you go in and be blown away by the value of every single thing that you read from me. I want you to go in and sounding like, oh, this sounds interesting, and be blown away by the amount of value that I've added to your life, right? As long as you're offering a ton of value, you are always going to be in business. You're always going to make money. The second you stop offering value, you're going to go broke. If I stopped offering you guys value today and I started putting out shitty products and shitty articles, I'd be gone, right? I mean, eventually some guy, like I've got relationships with some guys and they they do like me as a person and, and you know care about, but that happens after. That happens after all the value that you've added, okay? Don't get caught up on yourself. Get caught up on the results that you want and focus on helping others and solving their problems and you will get what you want out of business and out of life, actually. It's very, very important to put your ego to the side. Last point, keys to the game, be ethical. This is easier said than done, okay? When you're broke and you have your sales manager breathing down your neck to hit your targets and you're on a performance improvement plan and you know that you need that job to pay your rent, boy, it's going to be tough to keep your ethics at that point, Right? You're going to do whatever you need to do to close that deal. But at the end of the day, you have to look yourself in the mirror. So jamming someone into the wrong product is shitty and unethical, and you won't feel good about yourself. And your conscience is always monitoring you whether you realize it or not. Now, I'm not going to preach to you all high and mighty and say I'm the most ethical person in the world. And I'm not going to moralize to you. I'm just going to speak to you from your own position of happiness, Okay. To be happy, you can't be a scumbag. Do you think the guy who cheats in business and beats his wife and a Jordan Belfort was happy? Maybe at some points when he's high on drugs. But why did he have to take drugs every single day? Right? Why was the guy doing cocaine and quaaludes and going to 
prostitutes all the time because he's literally not happy just being himself in his human body just in his normal life. He has to take drugs to mask all the pain from ripping off people for hundreds of millions of dollars. All the shame of, of being that bad person. You can try and compartmentalize that, but at the end of the day, not going to feel good about yourself, right? You have to be able to hold some kind of an ethical line to be able to look yourself in the mirror and be able to sleep well at night. So what I'm saying is, look, don't be a scumbag. That's as simple as it can get. It's No matter how much money you have, I don't care what anyone says, it's very hard to enjoy life if you don't have a positive self-image. And there's two types of self-image. There's the self-image of success and there's the self-image of being a decent human being. Okay, and a lot of guys get caught up in just success. Just success, yes, you will have a positive self-image in that light, but there's going to be a nagging feeling of I'm just a worthless piece of shit is also going to be there because you're not being a good person. You need both. You need to have the feeling of success, but you also need to feel like you're a decent guy, all right? Now, I'm not walking around. I'm not Mother Teresa. I'm not trying to pretend that what I do on my website is is this magical, you know, super ethical Christian dream. But like I, I do feel like I'm, I'm honest with you guys and I do feel really, really good when I get an email from someone saying that I helped them or I made them feel better. It is an ex, having that in your life is, is really, really important for your peace of mind. So be as ethical as you can, right? If it's, if it's your survival on the line and, and it's and it's paying rent and not going broke, okay, do what you have to do. But once you get past that survival mode, do not get the, in the habit of being unethical to get your goals across the line. If you need to hit your numbers, just work a bit harder than everyone else. Do an extra 30 calls a day so that you can do it from a perspective of being ethical. But really, 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 what you the important thing is the way you can be the most ethical is have your own business, right? When you have your own business... You control the ethics and your sales manager is not going to tell you um, to lie to your clients and, and, and do all kinds of shit like that, right? For RLD, for my business, I can be straight up with every single guy. I can manage their expectations. I can tell some guys not to buy my products because it's not going to work for them. Like if you're a 60-year-old man and you're overweight, do not buy my book, How to Get Laid on Tinder because you're not going to get laid whatsoever. I could never say that if I was working for another company because my sales manager would just would just be telling me to hammer it down everyone's throat right so that's the keys to the game now i'm going to get into specifically how to sell a client and a client the way i different differentiate a client from a customer is a client is your someone you're selling to in a service-based business so a client is generally going to be a much more personal relationship, a much, much more engaged relationship, and is going to pay you much more per each transaction. A customer is a, a much smaller relationship. They, you might not even have direct contact with them, and it's going to be more volume-based. So RLD right now is a customer-based business, and I set it up that way because I really did not want to have a, another client-based business for a while. Guys buy my book. The only time I talk to them is if um, 
I mean, now they, they need another download link that I'll send to them. Basically, they buy the book, they get an automated email thanking them, and then they get an, an email from my email list breaking down what I think the key articles for them to read are. And that's pretty much it. I don't reach back out to that guy because in this day and age, most people don't want to get spammed. So I'm very careful with that. I don't send them a million follow-up emails because I hate when companies do that, so I don't do that to them. However, in a client relationship, it's completely different. They want to be in contact with you. If you're selling a guy, if you're selling real estate, you're going to have a ton of contact points with um, you know, a couple that's trying to buy the house because they're going to have so many questions and they're going to want to see a million different houses. So that, that's a totally different ballgame. And I'm going, to, I'm going to break down for you specifically how to sell a client. And when I was in sales, you know, high-level sales is always client-based, right? The only people that are selling customers are like the call center workers where it's, they're just, hey, aluminum siding, buy it. Okay, you're not going to buy it? All right, done with this guy, that type of thing. So here's how to sell a client. First off, prospect. Okay, prospecting is what you do to find your leads. This means scouring the internet in your vertical and adding key information about your leads to the CRM. And you got to use a CRM. That's the customer relationship management tool. It's so important. It's an area where most guys neglect. They don't do that properly, but you use the CRM properly. Second, you bring someone on board, you're going to have all the information about them, what they like, what their favorite sports team is, what you talked about last time. Very, very important. Majority of your results and sales are going to come from the output you put in. Okay, that means finding the right candidates for your product and as many candidates as possible. You need to know down to the letter which types of companies will be in the market for your product. Otherwise, you're going to end up wasting a lot of time. Okay, you also need to focus on companies that are higher probability closes because, again, if you don't, you're going to be wasting your time. There's nothing wrong with trying to get huge blue chip companies on board. But you got to recognize that it might take you months just to get a hold of the right person. So you need to make sure to put a lot of focus on companies that you can close early on. So there's a lot that goes into prospecting, right? The keys are getting everything in the CRM, prospecting the right companies. If you're new to the job, you're going to want to prospect for companies that are going to close within the first couple months. Because if you don't start closing companies within the first couple months, you're going to get fired. You can have those long-term big company closes that you contact infrequently, but you need to prospect, you need to spend the most of your time on companies that are actually going to close. So this is very, very important. And this is all stuff you need to recognize when you're trying to sell a client. Again, I know there's a lot of information in this. Have a look at the article. Or the whole guide, the definitive guide to sales. This is part three. The whole guide is something like 25,000 words. So really go into it. If you're new to this, go have a look at the article. Take notes. Um, I just want to give you like an overall view from the audio and video here. But have a look at the article and and take notes because I know this is a lot to, to digest. So we're in how to sell a client. We just covered prospecting. Now the next move is find the decision maker. Okay, this is where a lot of guys fuck up. If you're pitching the secretary, which I heard, which I've heard new guys do, like you're you're doing it wrong. Okay, you need to know the exact decision maker in your industry. And the good thing is we have the internet. I can't imagine what it was like selling prior to the internet, but 
the internet means you can find on LinkedIn or on you know just googling who is the person for your industry you know in when I sold advertising it was the VP of marketing right that was the guy who signed the checks and it usually was a guy but then you would have a million other people who who could be what's called influencers an influencer is a marketing manager assistant marketing manager marketing coordinator most of these people were girls who were like 25 like new to the company or whatever they could influence the decision maker but they were not the guy who signs the checks that and you do not want to pitch them first okay you want to pitch the decision maker first why because let's say you pitch betty from who's the assistant marketing manager and she doesn't want anything to do with you and then you go over her head and pitch the decision maker well and he let's say he he wants to do business with you he's gonna go okay you know i'm interested let me put you in touch with betty from marketing and you guys can work it out and then you're gonna have to call her up again and she's gonna fucking hate you because you made her look terrible to her boss and you showed her that she has no power that you went over her head and showed her that she actually doesn't matter and she's going to hate having to work with you and she's going to try and sabotage the deal whenever she can. If you had gone to the decision maker first and he would have put you in touch with her after that, she'd be happy to work with you. She'd, be, she'd just be like, okay, this is who Scott wants me to work with. You know, you call her up, you're charming, you're friendly. She's going to be like, oh, it sounds like a nice guy. You know, let's have a meeting to talk about this more. So, that's why you want to pitch the decision maker first and because like you don't want to take a no from a decision maker or from a non-decision maker or an influencer but you also don't want to take a yes from an influencer if you can avoid it if you could pitch the decision maker first the reason is let's say Becky likes your deal and she goes to Scott at the at the monthly meeting and pitches it in front of the team well let's say Scott's not interested and she's not going to sell your deal like you would. She's not going to manage all the objections. She's not going to be able to get it over the line. But if you were talking to Scott directly, you could have closed the deal. So this is very important why you need to pitch the decision maker. If you can't get a hold of the decision maker, then that's when you want to pitch the next person down. So the decision maker is the VP of marketing. One step below might be the marketing manager, and below that's the assistant market manager. So you start from the top, and you go all the way down if you can't get a hold of anyone. But you always want to start with the decision maker. Number two, or sorry, um, next point here, on, which is number three on how to sell a client, greeting and pitch. So the key pitch is to get the key information out in as little time as possible. In call centers, they have these horrible three-minute clunky unwordable scripts that no one wants to listen to and and everyone's just waiting for a pause in the conversation to tell this guy they're not interested that's not how you get a client okay the way you get a client is a 30-second soundbite that has a greeting it has your pitch and it has your unique selling proposition all within 30 seconds because anything more than that is irrelevant because they are not listening, they have no attention span, and they just want to get you off the phone. The first 10 seconds is just the greeting, and from second 10 to second 30 is the pitch. 
And from second 10, once he realizes this is a sales call, the clock is running against you because he's already like, fuck, this is a sales call. How do I get this guy off the phone? So within 20 seconds, you need to change his mind and you need to give him something of interest. So let's say I'm pitching RLD. I don't have clients, but let's say I, I was calling up clients and I would say, hey, John, it's Will. How's it going today? Or I'd say, hey, John, it's Will from RLD. How's it going today? He'd say, yeah, it's all right. What can I do for you? And I would say, look, John, I'm, uh, I'm calling. I'm a personal development coach here. And what we do is hardcore self-improvement for men. That means results-based, realistic, not Tony Robbins bullshit, but stuff that actually works and stuff that actually gets results. And it's honest and ethical. Okay, I don't actually do this service, but that's how it would sound. So what I'm doing is the first 10 seconds, I'm, I'm doing my greeting, okay? When he's asking me what can I do for you, he's trying to figure out what the meaning of the call is. And so the second I say I'm from Revolutionary Lifestyle Design, he knows it's a sales call, and he's probably thinking, oh, fuck, I'm getting sold. How do I get this guy off the phone? So in that 20 seconds, I'm saying we do, I'm personal development, blah, blah, blah hardcore, not like the average generic snake oil salesman type thing. Tony Robbins is good. He has some good stuff. But like I said, I don't like that whole, you can be anything. Anyone can be anyone because he doesn't manage the expectations, right? If you're a seven-year-old guy, you're not going to be able to get 21-year-old hot girls, which is why every article I do or every audio or video, I give you what to expect within the realm of realistic possibilities, so let's say the guy's hearing that and the first thing he thinks is, oh, personal development, that's fucking garbage. I tried that before, I got burned, it's a waste of money, I spent all this money on these audio CDs, gave me some slight motivation for a while, but that was about it. But then when I say like, you know, results-based, you know, not generic, not internet marketing garbage, not Tony Robbins, he's going to be like, hmm, you know, this guy sounds a bit more honest. Maybe, maybe this guy's legit, maybe... You know, he can help me. I'm going through a divorce. And let's say he's in pain, right? That's that's going to be the call that I connect with, the guy who's actually in pain. Every guy who really gets into my site is coming from a position of pain. Like he's reading my motivational stuff. Those are the guys who email me. Those are the guys who want to talk more because they are in serious pain and I've got the solution to that pain point. So I get a guy who's going through a divorce. He's going to be like, hmm, that's, that sounds interesting. Can you tell me more about your service or whatever? So now I got him hooked. But in the greeting and pitch, it's the 30-second introduction, my company, the reason for my call, and my value proposition. My value proposition is my unique selling proposition, right? I'm not like the rest of these personal development guys that you know are running some type of scam or just generic useless information. I'm a, I'm a real deal. And boom, I can do that all within 30 seconds. And with the conversational tone that I'm using, it makes me not sound like a call center monkey. Like how I'm talking to you right now, I'm talking like conversationally. I'm not reading off of a page like a fucking robot. When when you're talking to someone, here are the key things to remember. You convey energy, enthusiasm, friendliness, and competence. You want this guy to like you and to know that if he does business with you, you are going to be able to put him in a good mood and you're going to be able to handle his account competently, quickly, and efficiently. If I'm calling up someone, I'm saying, hey, it's um, Will from RLD. I'm a confidence coach and I'm, I'm personal development. 
right away he's going to be like, how is this guy going to make me more confident, right? He's going to be like, this guy's a fucking loser. And even if I did do business with him, he's going to fuck it up because he's not competent. It's like when you have to call the phone company and you hear a guy stumble over his greeting and he can't speak English properly and he's got a huge accent, you're going to be like, oh, fuck, this is going to be an ordeal. Like, oh, God, I'm already pissed off because I'm calling the company, the phone company, and it's going to take me 20 minutes to, to explain to this guy what I want while he stumbles over his fucking English. And then you're going to think, why, do they, why don't they just hire people who speak fucking English on and on and on? So and energy, enthusiasm, friendliness, competence. Those are the keys. Next point, fit. So once you get the fit out of the way, you need to see if this guy is going to – or sorry, once you got the greeting and pitch out of the way, you need to see if this guy's going to be a fit for your product as soon as possible. When I sold the commercial currency, the first thing we would ask once the greeting and pitch is out of the way is, um, do you do business in the U.S. or in Europe? If the guy says no, then he's out because how can we do a commercial currency transaction if he doesn't do business in other dollars or euros? It's impossible. So... Ask the fit, ask to see if he actually needs your services because otherwise you can be pitching a guy for 10 minutes and find out, well, he doesn't actually use our use what I'm selling, right? So get that out of the way, right? If he says yes, then say, okay, great. And then once he says yes, go into the features and angles. So you figured out the, the candidate's a good fit. It's time to hit him ex- with exactly what your product does, Right? Now I'm going to get into my unique selling proposition again, but I'm going to do it and I'm going to give some of the features and benefits. Again, this should be done relatively quickly because he's still not hooked. He's like a little bit, he's interested, but he's not hooked. You'll know when there's a hook point in the conversation. It's when he starts to ask you questions and really get into it. So you're going to go through the features of what you do, a little bit of the benefits, how it would benefit him, but not too much, right? And then you want to do get into a bit of an angle and an angle is how you tailor your pitch to your client's needs right for sometimes you might some for some situations you can combine that with an urgency scenario i don't like to use urgency in my business now like if you read my sales pages i never do by now you've got only two days left and you get it for a special discount but if you've got targets to make and you got a sales manager breathing down your neck Urgency scenarios do work, okay? A common angle for like a penny stock broker would be to tell the client there's hot news on the stock and you got to buy today. It's up to you whether you want to use it, but if you can use an angle plus an urgency scenario, it does increase your close rate. Like an angle would be you have some information about his company that you can use in your pitch and then add the urgency scenario to that, you know? You tell them you have an inside line on stock and it's going to be worth X by the end of the day as long as they buy now. Okay? I don't recommend doing that because that's dishonest, like the Jordan Belfort penny stock method, but I'm just using that as an example of an urgency scenario. I don't recommend dishonest angles, but the perfect sales call will usually have an angle tailored to your potential client's pain point. So you want to know a little bit about his company if possible or about some news related to his company. And the angle is is something you can use early on in the conversation, but you can also use it later on after we get to the questions section. So now we're in questions. 
And the key to getting a guy past the, you know, to the hook point is to ask informed questions about his business. So there's nothing that, there's nothing more people like than talking about themselves. And you want to see how your your product fits in his plan. And the point of your questions is to find what his primary pain point is. Okay. It could be he's getting bad service from his provider or they're too expensive or he doesn't like the guy he's dealing with. But you're going to ask him question, 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 question. As long as he's, as long as he's answering the questions um, in like an amicable mood, then you're going to keep asking him about it. Be like, so who are you, who are you using right now for your uh, currency provider? Okay, how's that going? All right. You know, what, what kind of, um, you know, what's your spend for that? Something like that. You want to know as much about it as possible, and then eventually you're going to get to the point where he's going to leak why he's talking to you. He'll be like, you know, it's going all right, but you know, I just can't get a hold of the guy. He doesn't answer my calls. You know, he only answers about 50% of my calls, and now you know what his problem is, right? Because he's only talking to you if he has a problem. Now you know his problem is he's not getting his account handled properly, and boom, you know what to do. So that gets you to your next section, which is benefits. And the benefits you're going to be emphasizing are your relationship management skills. Benefits, as opposed to features, are what your potential client would get from the from using the features of your product. So the way you break down the benefits for him is in response to his answers to your questions. So, like I said, the guy is not handling his account properly, not getting back to him. And I would say, look, the way it is with me, John, is... I want clients for a lifetime. I want to be in this business as long as I possibly can, which means that relationship building is the core of what I do. And I want my clients to be as well-informed as possible. There's never going to be a point where I'm going to leave you hanging. The most you're going to wait is an hour to hear from me at the absolute most. And that's true. I would never leave a client. I would never not call a client back within an hour. Never, ever, ever. So, uh, that's what I would sell them on. I would sell them on the benefits of working with me. I wouldn't even bring up price, right? Because I know what his pain point is. I know from the questions that I've asked, and I've already gone through some of the features. So now I'm going through the benefits, and I'm I'm saying I'm getting him to picture what it would be like doing business with me, and that he's not going to have to be irritated about someone who's he can't get a hold of. He's always going to get a hold of me, right? And now he's picturing that in his head. And he's like, man, that would be nice. That'd be nice working with Will. I wouldn't have to, you know, worry about getting hold of this guy. Blah 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 blah. Now, there's always going to be some type of objection to why he's not going to buy with you. So no deal closes without objection. So the next step is is this is around the time where we're going to get to the objection management. You might have it a bit earlier on, but usually the guy is not going to start to object at least real objections until now. And a real objection is a guy who is interested, but he has a problem. And he's kind of like asking you to solve his problem. A guy who just doesn't want to talk to you is just going to be like, no, 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 I can't talk. I can't like, fuck, you know, you know, I have to go, right? That's not an objection. That's just the guy is not fucking interested. An objection is like, well, I, I can't do that because of X. And if he's if he's putting up the time to object, that means he's interested. So... No deal closes with objections. So let's say like we're carrying on with the currency thing and the guy's having a problem with his current broker. He's going to say, well, you know, Will, that sounds great, but like I've been working with John for years and, and you know, he's handled us well and blah, blah, blah. Okay, right? So his objection, the reason he's still in business with this guy is he feels guilty to 
to um, to say no and to stop having to do business with them, right? And I'll say something like this. I'll say like, hey, look, I understand, you know, you've got a relationship, but I mean, if it was a good relationship, wouldn't he be getting back to you? Would, would, wouldn't, wouldn't, wouldn't you be feeling like you've been taken care of? You know, how much money have you been spending with him? He's like, oh, I spend, I do uh, $200,000 a month in currency transaction. I'd say, whoa, $200,000. You think that would buy you a proper relationship? I mean, don't you deserve that? Like you've, I get it. You're a loyal guy, but don't you deserve to have your needs met for the amount of time that you're and money you're spending on this, on, on this client? And he's going to go, well, yeah, that sounds reasonable. I'm like, I'd be like, look, you don't even have to call the guy, right? You just have to, look, I'll make it real easy for you with transition. I'll call him if you want to. Like, you don't even have to do any of that. I'll do all the paperwork. I'll make this as easy as possible. In fact, I'll call the guy up for you and tell them that, you know, I'm going to be taking your business from now on, right? It's it's no problem for me. You don't have to do anything. I'm going to handle everything 100%, and you're never going to have to deal with those problems anymore. This is a very rough general um, objection management. But what I'm saying is, I'm objecting to, I'm handling exactly what he's saying, and I'm I'm giving him the solution for it. He'd be like, okay, you know, kind of sounds interesting. You know, maybe we should maybe we should uh, talk more about it. I'm like, boom, okay, this guy's almost ready to do it. Now it comes down to closing, right? The close might not necessarily mean a deal, but it means the completion of an objective. So. Depending on how it's going and how it is for my industry, I'm either going to try and close him right now or I'm going to try and pitch a meet and I'll say, okay, John, let's meet up. When are you free this week? I'm free Tuesday, Wednesday. Okay, perfect. I can stop by your office Tuesday afternoon at, say, 2 p.m. Does that sound good for you? Yeah, that sounds good. All right. I'm going to send you an email. I'm going to send you a, a, a time confirmation so you got it in your calendar and we can go from there. I'm looking forward to meeting you. He's going to be like, great. Or... I might just close them on the phone. I'll be like, look, I'm going to send you over the document on the e-sign document right now. All you have to do is sign it. I filled it out for you. I filled out all the comp- company information for you. Just sign it and send it back. And we can do a test run. We'll do a small deal this week. If everything works out perfectly, then we're good to go. You know, if not, then, you know, you, you, you don't have to do any business with me, right? You're not under any obligation, but let's just test it out. If you're happy with it, we can go from there and, and start increasing the amount of deals that you want. Sound good, right? I'm selling them like, you just have to sign with us so that you can do business. You can always, you know, you don't have to do it in the future, blah, 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 blah. Sending him the document, sign it, sealed, delivered, closed, boom. Then I'm like, okay, I'm going to call you Thursday. We're going to, we're, we'll do a small test deal. And we're, we're going to take it from there. Sounds good? Good? Okay, let's go. So that's the close, right? The close is is... So much of sales literature talks about closing, but close is really like the the afterthought to to all the work that you've done. But you do have to close. You do have to make it happen. But you have to get them to the point of being on the close first. So that is how to sell a client. Next section, how to sell a business relationship. This is something that... A lot of guys do wrong. I Every week I get a couple guys reaching out to me on some type of partnership and the vast majority of them are, are horrible. Actually, almost 99.9% of them are horrible because they don't have sales training. I'm not blaming the guy in particular, but you don't have sales training. If you want to get in, in business with someone, 
The proper way to reach out to a guy is similar to the sales protocol above, except if it's like a, if some if it's like you want to do business with someone like me or someone online, then email is the way to go because most guys online aren't gonna have phone numbers available. Just reach out, real polite, real humble. Tell the guy you love his stuff. Introduce yourself. Go what you bring to the table, and then tell him how you add value to his business. So every guy with a business has a huge ego and bloggers especially myself included like no one would start a self-improvement website without a huge ego and i have an ego the size of the room i'm in a guy who reached out to me really well with this was this guy seth rose from masculine books i was talking with him i told him masculine books was a great idea i thought it was a, a great site it's these good book reviews for men he's a very good writer and it's a completely underserved niche and I just, out of the blue, gave him a few ideas that I thought would help. In turn, he, he came back to me with an email, and he was polite and not demanding. And he said, look, Will, I want, I want you know, I'd be interested in, in hearing more of your thoughts on helping me with the site. And what he did was he came, he flattered me, and then he came with me with an offer for 50% of the profits on the site, which was very generous. For a minimal amount of time, I said, sure, I'll, I'll get on Skype with you and talk to you for an hour about that. He said he's going to promote my books in his sidebar and be affiliate. I was like, great, yeah, let's do it. It was a no-brainer for me to volunteer with him, and um, I did. I gave him some pointers that were helpful, and eventually I actually just, I said, I said, you know, 50% is unfair. I just I just said, look, keep, an, keep one of my books on your sidebar, and we're good, because I just liked, I liked the guy. So he was able to get my business by offering something like that. The majority of the offers I get are just spam. It's just some guy who's obviously like, hi, I like your site, Revolutionary Lifestyle Design. I am a CEO consultant, or I do video editing. I notice you have videos on YouTube. I do video editing, okay? Most of them are, are garbage like that. If you want a business relationship with someone, do the same type of sales you would, but within an email. You know, greeting pitch, flattery, unique selling proposition and then you know see if the guy's a good fit it's the same kind of criteria and it it is all like you can take how to sell a client and use that on how to sell a girl right my tinder book the way it's set up and and the diagram i have is as a sales tool i look at every girl i'm talking to if i'm i'm trying to get laid it's the same exact cycle Greeting, pitch, fit, objection management, all that shit. It's all the same. It's all selling. It all goes on that straight line, on that formula. Selling your website, same thing. Solving problems. Okay, like when it comes to the blog, the way I sell my site is is I'm just I'm getting you guys to buy into me, my personality, my lifestyle, but most importantly, my ability to solve your problems. I'm not talking about myself. I'm talking about solving your problems. And if I didn't do that, no one would care about me. They only care about the amount of value that I can bring to the table. Putting reader experience first, putting value first, responding to emails quickly, responding to customer customers quickly, all the same stuff that I do in sales, I'm doing on my website. How to write a sales page. Same, same way. Check out my sales page. 
you can see in the article here, the definitive guide to sales part three, I break all this stuff down because this is, this is harder to describe on the audio, but basically how to write a sales page. I use an example from my how to get laid on Tinder. There's the pitch, which is learn how I fuck 10 girls in five weeks, how to find DTF girls and get rid of time wasters, exactly what to message her, blah, 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 blah. Then I identify their pain point. Do you want to fuck tons of new girls every month? Of course you do, but you know, when it comes to sex, most girls are wasting your time. You're probably tired of spending tons of money in cash and drinks on taxis and covers and going to clubs and still going home and not getting laid. Then I offer the solution. Before that, before I mastered online dating, I was just like you. That was then, this is now. And then I show some clips of girls that I got off Tinder. Then I get into the benefits and I just say, here's how the book will benefit you. I list the benefits and I go to the features. Here are 22 things, 22 awesome things you'll learn. Then I handle the objections. I, I literally list it as answers to your questions. And then I go into the close. If this is not the best book you've read about getting laid online, it's free. I offer a 60-day money-back guarantee that I that I honor. And then I break down why I honor the guarantee because I tell guys, in this day and age, if I don't honor the guarantee, I know that guarantees don't mean a lot in this day and age. But here's why I'm going to honor that guarantee. Because one, it only takes a couple bad reviews on some dating forums and to say, I bought a book from Will, I asked for a refund, he didn't give it to me, he's a scumbag. For that to be one of the first things that people will search for in this book or my name, right? In this day and age, it only takes a couple guys doing that. So I tell guys, I'm gonna honor the guarantee because for $25, the cost of the book, you think I'm gonna let someone post that I'm a scumbag and a liar and I don't offer a refund? Never, impossible. I will 100% give you a guarantee because it's in honor the guarantee because it's in my best interest. And I offer a guarantee because that takes some of the buying risk off of the guy, right? Okay, he's got a guarantee. If I don't like it, I'll just send it back. And then that's the close. And then I say, start getting laid today. Get your copy now for $20. So you'll see, if you go through the article, you'll see all the shit is the same, right? It is all greeting, it is all greeting pitch, fit, features, benefits, handling, objections, close. All the same shit. You can you can go through a million sales seminars. It's all going to be telling you the same stuff, right? So that's it, guys. Again, really have a look at the article. I know there's a ton of information to digest here, and I don't expect you to be able to digest it all from just this video, but go through. It's a four-part guide. If you're really serious about sales, take your time, write the notes. Uh, it's free, so check it out on revolutionarylifestyledesign.com. Also check out parts one and two. Parts one is the industry overview of sales. Part two is what a day-to-day life is like in the life of a salesman. And check out the next part in the series, which is part four, how to service your clients and customers. But that is it. As always, I wanna thank you so much for listening, watching, and reading. And I wish you all the best.